What up, though? And welcome back to the Black Fridays podcast, your weekly guide to black business. Before I get into who I have as a guest this week, I want you all to pause and ask yourself this question real quick. As we head into this new year, what are you planning on doing to improve your overall mental health and well-being? On this episode, I had a perfect person to talk to about this. Alondra Chuni Jackson is the homie who is also a licensed therapist and creator of The Sisters Couch. The Sisters Couch focuses on creating a safe space for black women in order to focus on their mental health and overall well-being. And fellas, even though we're talking about the sister's couch, there's still plenty of gems in this episode where me and Alondra got into how to create boundaries and also how to find mental health resources. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. What up, though, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Black Fridays, your weekly guide to black business. And today I have with me Miss Alondra Chuni Jackson, creator and founder of The Sisters Couch, which is an opportunity for women to express their uh, mental health discrepancies or anything that they may be going through. And we'll get more into that in a second. But because we're going to be touching on the topic of mental health, Alondra, I got to ask on a scale of one to 10, how are you doing today? On a scale of one to 10, I think I am like a seven. Um, I would say seven because I'm kind of getting a headache. I need to eat. Um, but it's been a very productive day. And it's just at the point where I'm winding down. It's like, all right, just need to relax. So, yeah, I'm a seven. All right. So now that you say you are a seven, you got to give me three things that would get you to a 10. <laughs> Three things that'll get me to a 10. Once I can eat, um, I think that'll help me with my mental health. You know, when your blood sugar levels start going down, that affects your mental health. Um, once I can, I didn't get a chance to watch a show that I really like yesterday, BMF. So once I can unwind and watch that, I was watching a state game with my husband last night. So that was not unwinding. Um, so once I can unwind and do that, and then I think the last thing is, hmm, I'll probably, once I get some sleep, that that helps too. So those three things, unwinding, that will make me a 10. <laughs> okay, dope, dope. I'm glad that you know exactly what will help you get to a 10, because I, I would probably say I'm at a that. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say I'm probably at an eight. I got a chance to work out today. I was able to get some work stuff done. So I'm grateful for that. Uh, we're doing this interview. So I'm excited about that. And then uh, two things that would help get me to a 10 for me to catch up on a couple of projects I've been working on um, or make some type of progress. That'd be one. And then the second one. Hmm. So I just I just got braces in. So I'm trying to. Yeah, I just got just got them in uh, this week. So um, if my mouth would stop hurting, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. So yeah, I would be I would be a one. I would be good to go. So those would be uh, those would be my two things. So appreciate you um, engaging in that. And uh, yeah, I want to get it kicked off. I want to learn more about you and your story, and uh, let the people inside of your world as well. So tell me about the Sisters Couch. How did it come about? Let us know what it is. 
Um, the Sisters College was founded, which is so crazy, back in 2018. I had the idea in 2017, and time has flown. And I started this organization because um, I... First thing, I realized in grad school that I was dealing with my own mental health challenges. Um, I have dealt with it before, but it was all related to like transition in grad school was when it first smacked me in the face. So I was talking to my sister one night. I was talking to my sister one night and my sister, Alicia, for those who don't know, I'm a triplet. And I was talking with her one night and she was like, Alondra, I'm going to go see a therapist. And I was like, I'm going to go see a therapist. Like, what? You need to talk to me about this? And she was like, yeah, I'm going to go see a therapist. And she was like, but I don't know what to ask her. Like, I don't know what questions I should ask. I don't know what to expect. And I was like, this is crazy. The fact that I'm a therapist, like I'm a licensed clinical therapist. Um, I was working at a private practice at the time. And I was like, she didn't ask me about this. Like she didn't check with me in the fact that she didn't know what to ask. And I was like, we actually need like a space for black women to talk about this. Like, this is really a gap that needs to be filled because even when I was going through my own stuff, like I was like, no, I don't need to see anybody like because the stigma, the negative stigma attached to actually having any mental health challenges being diagnosed with a mental illness like is so bad in the black community. So I was like, we need to do something about this. So I was like, how about, you know, I make this space where we can talk about it. And the sisters culture is born. So basically, pre-pandemic, we put on events in the community, usually small, intimate events. Um, we put on free events. We put on events that cost. And we also try to connect Black women to Black therapists because I know for sure I have a Black therapist now. And it's such a difference when you're with someone that's culturally competent and that looks like you. So that's really our goal, to connect to resources, to openly talk about mental health and like to really talk about self-care and self-preservation with licensed professionals. Because one thing I also noticed with that you had, and still happening, you have these events going on and it's people talking about mental health and wellness, but it's not licensed clinicians there. So that was one of my bigger goals to make sure we have that space for Black women to connect. And you're a therapist by profession. So can mm -hmm. you... Talk a little bit more about what were the things that you seen just kind of in your career that wasn't being targeted towards uh, black women or black people in general? Like what gaps did you see um, throughout your career? I think specifically the biggest gap, even when like working with the sisters college was having someone who understand what it meant to like be, oh, you need to be like this strong black woman and what that meant. And also just the cultural things about how we look at mental health in our community. Like that was a huge gap. Like I'm quite sure you noticed Denzel. Like one thing is like, oh, you need to pray about it or we don't talk about this or, oh, you know what happens here stays here. And I think that was the biggest challenge that I seen in that space was like, these people can't relate to me because they really don't know our cultural challenges that we have. Another thing that I seen was a challenge was just how depression might look different in black women and burnout might look different in black women than it does in white women. I think that was a big thing, a big gap. And then just that community where you could build trust and talk about it. Like the community was not there. Um, I think those were the three biggest gaps that I seen just in this space. Most definitely. And uh, that's uh, we see a lot of that where you are encouraged to, you know, pray your mental health problems or problems in general away. You get that a lot. You also get, you know, the strong black woman uh, myth or strong, you know, black man myth. And uh, we know that you don't have to be that way nowadays with more research and more people talking about these things. So 
that's definitely a, a plague in, in our community that, you know, we, we need more uh, opportunities for people to um, express how they are feeling and what they're going through. And then so touching on that, as far as the sister's couch, how did this come about? When did you say, OK, I'm going to develop my own space for black mm-hmm. women to be able to discuss these things? Um, so it came about I was um, so I talked about my sister, but then I think the biggest part was when it was like, all right, first I have my Instagram page. Like, I just need to have an Instagram page where we talk about it. And I, it's so crazy because I feel like this field has grown so rapidly since 2017, 18. So first it was just an Instagram page. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make a free event. And I was so nervous about this free event. Like, nobody going to show up. Like, what is going to happen? And it was a snowstorm that day. So um, I had a free event at Good Cakes and Bakes, which is so great, the community space. And when I say I sold out in two days, like it sold out in two days, I was like, wait a minute, this is a niche. So we did a free event. And at that event, we had a therapist, a Black psychiatrist who prescribes medication. So we had an LPC, an LMSW, a licensed social worker, a Black psychiatrist, and we had somebody who was just dealing with mental health challenges in their own black woman. And when I say like just this space in a community, so you were there. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah I, yep. Yep. This, this space in the community that was created there was just like amazing. So then after that, I was like, all right. So clearly there's a need, but also I think with me, my background is in not is a nonprofit as well. And being a social worker, I was like, I want to make this accessible, but I also want it to be a space where it's like community where you feel warm and is intimate in order to do that. I was like, all right, I need to actually charge for people to come here. So we had our next event. And I think all of the topics were, let's talk about Black women in mental health. Let's talk about Black women in self-care. Let's talk about Black women in um, being selfish. So the next event was a paid event. And I think that was at the Cochrane House, I think. It's been so long. It was at the Cochrane House. And when I say that event sold out, I was like, oh my gosh, like people really do want to talk about this. But the one thing I made sure that I did was I made sure that at each event you left with something tangible. You actually had the community. It wasn't this because most of the events that I've seen, let me know if I'm going on a tangent because I can talk. Um, most of the events that I've seen, it was like, oh, like the clicky type stuff. I was like, no, I want this to be a real community. So then we built off of that. Um, and I've had an amazing team of like, just my friends has been supportive. So that's how it started. The free event, we had a paid event, then we had a full conference and then COVID hit. <laughs> and uh, like you said, I was at that first event. I had did like a, a video trailer or mm-hmm. montage of, of that event for you. And, um, you know, I appreciate you for allowing me to be the only man in that space. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Because it was definitely a room full of black women and it was just dope because, you know, like you said, you talked about the clicky type events that you kind of see in um, in the Detroit area from kind of like that perspective. And one thing that I noticed was that a lot of those women didn't know each other. They were meeting each other for the first time that day. And like I'm literally like walking around trying to record different things and I'm listening to the conversations and I'm noticing, I'm like, oh, like they don't know these people at all. And like they were willing to open up and really like share their stories with each other and really kind of get to the the essence of what the event was about, which was really dope to be able to see. And then all the panelists were dope as well. And then mm-hmm. you had some great kind of conversation starters from the crowd um, also. So I, I knew that that was a, a powerful 
thing and a powerful space that you had created. And then, like you said, from there, you kind of build and, and started to branch out to doing a, a full blown conference um, with that conference. Like, what was that like before, you know, the pandemic and everything? What was it like putting that together? And what was the uh, focus of the conference? And, you know, what what was the energy there like? So for the conference, <laughs> that was pretty hard putting together hard and rewarding in a sense because um the sisters couch i have the support of like two of my closest friends amanda and Brittany, and then like um my other extended network but it's really just me like doing the grunt work doing all our graphics i think the the hardest part of putting that conference together was making sure it was quality um that it was quality for the women attending because a little bit of background with me i'm also a facilitator so that's what i've done in my nine to five job. I facilitate workshops, facilitate conferences. But with this space, I was like, I really wanted to be a space where women realize like you are the expert here. So I think that was a challenging thing, like trying to figure out how do I still make sure that the women feel like they are included, they are the expert and they are getting what they need. And how do I make sure I am making a profit off of this? Because that was challenging too. It was like, I want this to be nice. I want this to be luxury, but I also need to make sure like I am paying for my my services as well because I know that the information is needed so I think that was a challenge making sure that I still stay true to my core values of being accessible and that I was able to deliver quality stuff while making sure I'm also getting paid for my value I think the most rewarding part like you talked about this it was like the community that was created most of these women did not know each other I had a few social workers who came and was like oh I was just coming you know just to like learn stuff and they were enriched and then my mom Mom and one of my mentors came and my mentor was sitting at the table with my mom and she was like your mom thought she would just go come sit and get and she ended up getting doing the work too so I think that was the rewarding part literally we've we had women I think the youngest person there was probably 19 the oldest person there was like 60 and I think just to see like we can be in this space and we can talk about mental health. We don't have to have the stigma. I think that was the most rewarding part to actually be there and to have Black women because also we have Black women vendors who were there selling their products. We have Black therapists there. And I think the beauty of that was like having that community of like accessible Black women that you could talk to and you could get products from was another beautiful component of it. Where would you say most of these women or a lot of the women that uh, come to your events, where would you say that they are in their mental health journey? Would you say that they're like beginning or in um, inquiring or are they like further along, may have had some therapy or, you know, try some other resources? A good question. I think most of the women are in that beginning to middle stage. And the reason I say that is because oftentimes at our events, the question is, hey, where can I get a therapist? I recently did an event. I was speaking at it, and it was like, can you please direct me to a therapist? So I think it's between that. I know I want to talk about my mental health, but I'm not sure how I actually go about this journey. So I think it's that middle stage of I'm there and I need a therapist. I have some individuals who come and they are therapists themselves. And they're like, I just want to refill myself. But it's really that mid range of I'm here and I want to find a therapist. Absolutely. And uh, one thing that comes to mind, I listened to a podcast earlier today and uh, the conversation was circling around creating boundaries. And like, I know that that is something like we talked about the strong black woman myth earlier. So as far as creating boundaries, like what would you say is your approach or your recommendation um, when it comes to that? Because I know that it's something that also plagues our uh, black community as well, where, you know, you don't know how to 
shut it down, create that fence and say, hey, I'm not doing X, Y and Z. Uh, please don't ask. Yes, that is one of my favorite things to talk about. And I think because I had the hardest time with that prior to starting the Sisters College. And my my motto is selfish is not a bad word. I think when we talk about creating boundaries, oftentimes we think, oh, man, people go like they go think I don't want to be around them. I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to lose family. Like I won't be included in stuff anymore. But the thing I say about boundaries, it really teaches people how to treat us. And it's also a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. Because oftentimes when we have lack of boundaries, it's something internal going on with us. So one thing I like to say with boundaries is to really think about how do you feel when somebody does something to you or say something to you? Boundaries are literally literally that internal guide. It's like somebody is crossing my foul line and I need to check them or check myself. And oftentimes if we don't create boundaries, what happens is we get resentment towards people. And that's not fair to them. It's like, it's not fair for you to be walking around mad at this person because they don't even know they crossed your boundary. So that's typically the way I look at boundaries. And I know with boundaries, you have to start small. Like you have to start small because it's it's hard. And so it's very hard. It was hard for me <laughs> to create healthy boundaries. Um, and that, and when we have poor boundaries, it literally, it impacts our mental health. Think about a time when somebody crossed your boundary. How did you feel? It causes us to be overwhelmed because oftentimes we've taken over more stuff than we should. It causes us to be stressed um, because we're trying to put their priorities, our priorities, our work priorities. So it's really about being selfish and thinking about what energizes me and what drains me. And I feel like I just said a lot. <laughs> no, I was going to I was going to answer that because you were saying, like, what are some of those uh, boundaries that people might cross or whatever? Mm-hmm. How do you react to it? For me, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm trying to get better and hoping I get better with this, uh, like I'll shut down. Like if I feel like somebody like you did a you did a no, no on my list. I'm done with you. I'm shutting it down. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm moving on. And I'm, I'm going to give you very little energy, which is necessary. Do you communicate they did that no-no on your list or you expect them just to know? That's the problem. Not always. <laughs> and I'm trying I'm trying to be straight up where it's like, look, you did X, Y, and Z. I felt X, Y, and Z. This is where we at. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with boundaries. It's like you got to communicate with them or they don't know. You can't blame them for not knowing. And oftentimes boundaries are continually crossed because we let them cross it. So it's like, how can I get mad at somebody because they are continuing to cross this boundary and I haven't said anything about it? So that's the biggest thing. It's like you have to communicate and it could just simply be, hey, even if it's like boundaries with your time, like I am not answering my phone after 10 o'clock. Like I'm not doing that. Like I put my phone on do not disturb after 11 which is still late, but it's just making that personal boundary for yourself. So, yeah. And as far as um, I also think about, you know, that may be one thing when it comes to relationships with friends. What about family? Like, do you have any different recommendations or or um, ways as to going about that? Or is it, is it general in your opinion? So- that's in general, but family is a bit tougher because that's your family. Um, and oftentimes we feel like with family, like they need us. And with boundaries, what we have to remember is that it can, when boundaries are crossed or we continue to let people cross our boundaries, where we feel like we need to do things for people, it can cause enabling. And one thing that my coach taught me was like, when we feel like, oh, we need to do this for this person, it makes, it gives us some type of complex. Who said that we are actually that important? And oftentimes with family, 
if we continue to do stuff with them, how can they learn how powerful they are? So with family, it is the same thing. It's literally starting super small. Like, hey, auntie, like, you know, I can't let you continue to do this. Or if you do this X, Y, Z, this is what's going to happen. So being very clear about what's going to happen because over time, we are enabling them. We not we are not allowing them to see, hey, you are capable of doing what you need to do. And you might turn around and be like, oh my God, I've been enabling this person and they can really do this on their own. So family is super hard, super duper hard, like super hard. I literally just had to do that. Not like letting, not letting someone do, do something, but I knew for me and my immediate family, so me, Darius and Cadence, I didn't want to travel for Thanksgiving. Like, that is not what I wanted to do. And this is literally a boundary you have to like make. And mm-hmm. my mom and my sister was like, please, are you coming? I'm like, no, we are not coming. Like, we're not coming. And at the end of the day, we were still cool. But it was like, I had to put up that boundary. Like, this is what I want to do for me and my family. But it is consistency. Um, and it's okay if it's like, oh, hey, shoot, I said no, but I still let them do it. And it's practice. Like, be graceful with yourself. That's the biggest thing. Be graceful with yourself when setting boundaries. And I, I think that'd be a, a big help to uh, to a lot of people. So appreciate you uh, sharing your expertise on that. And then also I wanted to ask about self-care. So like what are you know some self-care things that um, you encourage women to do or people in general throughout your, your therapy journey through the sister's couch? Like how should we be taking care of ourselves? So I know self-care is a big word, big buzzword. And when we think about self-care, we think about getting our nails done. We think about going to the hair shop, Ooh, a spa day, a salon. But the way I like to think about self-care is like self-preservation. So self-care is literally like, what am I doing to make sure my mental is fully intact? Yes, go get your nails done, get some alone time. But a huge part of self-care is like, am I sitting, taking time down to sit and reflect about my day and how stuff's made me feel? One huge part of self-care, am I allowing myself to feel emotions? Because what happens is when we don't feel these emotions, or if we literally let them just pile on and pile on, we pop. We reach our mental capacity. So what am I doing to actually sit and let my emotions flow? Am I doing that? That's another part of self-care, self-preservation. Am I surrounding myself with people who actually fill me up? And am I giving that to my circle as well? So do I have this reciprocity going on with my circle and my friendships and my family? Because that's a part of self-care and self-preservation. Am I seeing a therapist? Am I on top of my doctor's appointments? Am I going to the dentist? Am I getting sleep? Like, what am I doing really? Am I setting boundaries? What am I doing to make sure I preserve my mental health? And while we're talking about this, I really want to talk about the difference between mental health and mental illness. Because when we talk about mental health, people are typically like, oh no, I ain't got no mental illness, the stigma, I'm not crazy. But mental health is literally how you interact with the day, with your day-to-day activities, how you interact with people, how you interact with stresses, how you interact with work. Mental illness happens because we have poor mental health. So mental illness literally has to be diagnosed by a clinician. You have to see someone. You have to have symptoms that last more than two weeks. And oftentimes, some people who have a diagnosed mental illness, they could have great mental health because they're taking care of themselves. That's the way I like to think about it. Like, we need to make sure we are doing things that are helping our mental health stay intact. The same way you would do your physical health. Are you exercising? Are you going to the bathroom when your body tells you to do it? Are you eating well? Think about self-care and mental health the same way. What are you watching? What are you consuming? Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you taking breaks? 
are you journaling? That's the way I like to think about self-care and mental health. Genius. Book coming soon. Ladies and gentlemen, the book coming out. <laughs> so silly. I wish I was a genius. I'd be making more money. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as um, on staying on topic of self-care and, and um, working on your mental well-being or, or well-being in general, what would you say are some of your self-care things that you do for yourself? What what does that look like for Alondra? So for me, I uh, I see a therapist. I actually just seen mine yesterday. Um, I was at the point, I was seeing her every two weeks. I've gotten a lot better. I see her like every six weeks. So that that is a huge improvement. I also, I am a huge person who sits and feels my emotions um, because I know with me, if I don't sit and feel my emotions, I will pop, I will explode. So if I'm feeling a certain way, you go know. I'm going to let you know. I'm going to sit with them and I'm going to let them pass. Um, another thing that I do for my mental health is I actually take time to sit and just be quiet and reflect because I realize like I don't because I move so fast right now with a two year old with work. If I don't sit time to sit and take time to process stuff, it will literally come to the surface later. Um, and then finally, another thing I do for my mental health and self-care, I do make sure I get my hair and nails done. Like that's what I do specifically for me. Um, and I think about my love language because I, because of this pandemic, I really don't pour into myself, like with clothing or anything. So it's like, I can do this. I can take time and have someone else service me and fill my cup. That's what I do for my mental health. And I talk to people I like. I make sure I keep talking to my sisters and my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And that, that was one thing me uh, now living in a few different places, like as far as you talk about making sure you talk to different people, like how important I've learned how important it is just phone calls are with family or friends. Like it kind of helps rejuvenate me mm -hmm. uh, being in different places, not being able to just pull up on them whenever I want to, or see them at the, the function, uh, whatever might be going on that weekend. So um, I think that's definitely important. And fellas, I know we're talking about uh, a lot about women's mental health, but if you love yourself, go get your haircut, get your <laughs> haircut, keep your hair nice and neat. I don't care how you got it, whether you got dreads, whether you got a fro, whether you got low cut, get the hair done and take care of your hair, please. Yes. It makes you, you feel good on the outside. It's like, yes, I feel good on the inside too. So yes, take care of yourself, especially working from home. I feel like we just put on sweats a lot. So <laughs> And people try to clown me because I get up and I will get dressed and get prepared as if I'm walking. I'm going to be going into the office like I will put on a full fit. And like my sister will ask me, like, you you uh, putting on a whole outfit like you getting like ready, ready, like you going to work you, to sit at the computer. Yes, I do. I have to. Yes. I know that helps some people. It's like getting your mindset like that morning routine is like I'm invested in myself. And it's also recognizing, like, how do you like to pour into yourself? Like for me, it's like my nails and hair and literally feeling my emotions. So that's a huge part of self-care too. Most definitely. And if I'm not clean, my day didn't officially start. So I gotta, I gotta make sure I do all of the important things up front so I can get my day started sooner. So as far as uh, your uh, therapist by trade, and then you also operate the sister's couch, how do you balance both? So we're, we're on the topic of mental health and, you know, all of those things. How do you balance both and what's your work-life balance like? All right. So this was a hard thing. So therapist, um, I'm a licensed therapist. I am a co-interim director of a nonprofit in Detroit. I have an earring business and I have the sister's couch and I have a two-year-old and I'm married. <laughs> So really, and this might sound so crazy, but the this is the only way I've been able to manage. 
I listen to what my body and mind is telling me to do in that moment. Um, And this goes with work too. Like if my mind is not there, if I'm not hyper-focused there, I realize like, hey, I'm going to spend more energy trying to get focused than if I am like fully like, all right, I'm in work mode. I literally listen to my body about what do I want to do? And I literally, I, I tell Darius, I have power hours. Like, all right, this is my power hour. This is how I'm going to get through this. This is what I'm going to do. We're going to get this done. And those have been like the greatest thing for me. Like letting my, my mind know, like you have an hour to get this done. What do you need to happen in this hour? Um, and then as far as like my work life goes, like actual work, who's paying my bills. I, if I'm not feeling something right, then it's like, I'm going to get to this later because that's not what my body and mind is telling me to do. And it took me a while to get to this point. It took me therapy to get to this point. Cause I used to be the type, like, I got to get this done. Very type A, I got to be scheduled. I got to be planned, but it's literally tuning into what is making you feel good right now. What is your energy going to right now? And how can I focus in on that? So if it's like, Alondra, you just need to take a break. I'll take that break. Because I think what happens in this world where everything is so instant, everything is expected to be like that instant gratification. We feel like we have to go, 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 go. And I literally have to think about who is this pleasing right now? What is this doing for me? How is this impacting my mental health? Because if I'm trying to go, 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 please all these external factors, please these expectations I have on myself, I'm going to get burnt out. And I've been there before. So that's literally what I do. I, I have to take it as it comes and goes, which is completely new for me. Um, before I was a planner, I planned everything out. Now it's just like, all right, what can I get done in my power hours? <laughs> Facts, facts. And as far as uh, resources, because I've had friends uh, just kind of generally ask about where can they find mental health resources if they're looking for a therapist, if they're just looking for some things to work on their own personal care and, and well-being. Do you have any recommendations for people who are kind of, let's say, beginning their uh, mental health journey or trying to invest more into their mental health? Um, so for, if you're in the Detroit area and you are looking for a therapist, the Sisters Couch, www.thesisterscouch.com. We have a directory on there, a vetted therapist who I personally know who are Black and competent, culturally competent. Therapy for Black Girls is a great resource. They have so many resources on their website you can go to. Um, and they also have culturally competent therapists. Therapy for Black Men is also another great site that's up and running, um, that you can go to. And then also... If you are in the Wayne County area, Detroit Wayne County Community Mental Health, they are great for Wayne County area. They typically take Medicaid if you don't have full spectrum insurance. Medicaid, they take that. And if you are under the age, if you're 14 and older and you're a young person, you can see a therapist without your parents' consent um, through Wayne County Community Mental Health Services. So those are great resources. And also in Detroit, 211, the, just put that in your phone, call 211. They also have a number of resources you can call as it relates to mental health, social services, anything you might need. Phenomenal, phenomenal. Appreciate you sharing those resources. And, um, you know, we don't want to make this too heavy. So now it's time for my favorite part of Black Fridays, which is Freestyle Fridays. And <laughs> why you look like that i'm listening denzel <laughs> so it's not it's probably not what you think it's a random assortment of questions they all about you so you can't get them wrong oh and okay. i only got two rules you answer every question and you answer honestly okay 
All right. So to get us started, what was your first car? Oh, a neon. I think it was like a 1990-something Dodge Neon. It was a green car. Me and my sisters had to share, and the gas tank was backwards, and we ran out of gas one day because we thought it was full. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the window didn't roll down. And you shared that between the three of y'all? The three of us shared that car. 1990 Dodge Neon. 19-something Dodge Neon. I remember the year, but we had that little puppy for a while. That was like my uh, my first car, the 1990 Mercury Tracer. My sister gave it to me. It was her car in college. And um, that car was still running when I got rid of it in like 2013 or something like that. I didn't get it. Mm. Till. I had it for about four or five years. So um, maybe like 20. Um, and yeah, that car was still running perfectly fine. And uh, you take care of your car and take care of you. Mm. Uh, what's the longest you've ever driven? This could be for a road trip. This could be for anything. But what's the longest you've ever driven? Does a midnight golf road trip count? You, you. I don't think you were driving. Oh, I got to drive. Oh, the longest I've ever driven, I think, was. I don't like driving. Maybe about five hours. And I was splitting that between my two line sisters. We were going to surprise my other line sister who was getting proposed to. So that was the longest I ever driven. Okay. Uh, one word, because you're a triplet, I want you to describe each of you, including yourself, with one word. This is hard, Denzel. You should have gave me questions. I know. That's why I, that's why I wrote it down. <laughs> um, to describe Alicia, I think Alicia is fearless. Uh, she is, uh, she, okay, whatever, go with the flow. She is fearless. Elena is determined. She's a lawyer, so she is determined to um, get her point across, get what she wants. I would say I am, hmm, I'm intense. There, that's the word, a filler and intense. I am intense. I feel every emotion. I show every emotion. So, yeah. <laughs> and because I know all of y'all, I would- Does this sound about right, Denzel? That's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is your favorite thing to cook? Fried chicken because I love to eat it. <laughs> okay. We'll I don't like that. cooking. I mm. we'll take that. We'll take that. Now, this is a very important question here on Black Fridays. I need to know being from Detroit, when you go to Coney Island, what is your Coney order? The chili cheese fry, please. I also need a chicken Greek salad extra feta no beets and extra peppers that is my order definitely chili cheese fries and i need the sliced cheese don't give me that squeezed cheeks i think that you might be the first person to ever come on black fridays and admit that you get a salad from coney island (laughs) i think i think you're the first good (laughs) um what's your favorite day of the week (laughs) favorite day of the week is say Thursday because I have no meeting Fridays at work so it's kind of like my extra early going into the weekend it's like all right Thursday is my favorite day of the week makes sense do you believe in Bigfoot no Denzel (laughs) nope not at all why not I don't know. It's just, I've never been the type to believe in like Bigfoot aliens. 
No. Do you? Do I believe in Bigfoot? Uh, no, I don't believe in Bigfoot per se. I think that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything like that just walking around in the wilderness. Um, <laughs> aliens make more sense to me than Bigfoot. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's some strange things out there in the universe. So you never know. You never know. I, I just hope I don't have to encounter them. That's that's my thing. Um, what's, what would be the perfect day for you? Describe, describe the perfect day. Whew. I get to sleep in past seven o'clock. Um, I wake up. My breakfast is made. Some bacon, a nice, good hash. Um, and I get to just sit in my house. And uh, then I can go like run some errands with Darius, like just be with my partner. We run errands and just explore the city again. That would be a perfect day for me. Like nothing too fancy. All right. Cool. Cool. Do you have any tattoos? Yes, I have one. So if you if you had to get an additional tattoo, what would it be of? If I had to get already got a plan, um, we got. I got Caden's name done, digitized, but it looks like it's hidden into a logo. Um, Caden's is my two-year-old, soon to be two, December 26th. So I got her name done to look like a logo, but it's her name. I will get that. That would be what I'll get. Aw, shout out to Cadence. Uh, what's your nickname? I don't even know if I know this. What's your nickname? Name, um, Darius calls me pretty girl sometimes. My... Sisters call me Landra without the A. That's it. <laughs> okay. Pretty girl and Landra. We'll take it. What is your favorite quote or do you have a favorite saying? Yes. So my favorite quote is be still and know that I am God. And that's actually what my tattoo is. It says be still. And the reason I love that is because um, I'm just watching my therapist. I deal with anxiety. So it's literally like, just be still, be calm. Like, that's my favorite. I'll take it. I like it. I like it. So congratulations. You successfully passed Freestyle Friday. Thank so you. Shout out to you for engaging in my shenanigans. <laughs> and um, the next portion of Black Fridays, I call it Friday Flicks. So it's okay. an opportunity for, we talked a lot about reflection and sitting down and being still. It's an opportunity for you to uh, give yourself a pat on the back or a shout out for something that you've accomplished recently or something that you um, can think of that you are proud of yourself for doing. So just wanted to give you the floor to do that. You, that's crazy. I'm just talking to my therapist about this. So one thing I want to say I am proud of is how far I come. My little one is trying to get in here. How far I've come in the last two years. Um, like I said, I was in therapy like every two weeks and I'll go every six weeks. And also just the goals like that I've accomplished for myself, like the sister's couch, although the pandemic, like I had another event and it was still like a very well, it was over 25 women there. And I had not had an event in almost two years because of the pandemic, like an in-person event. Um, and also I started a hobby of creating earrings and I was like, oh my God, like this was just a hobby. And over the year, I sold over 90 pair of earrings. So that means I handmade and sold over 90 pair of earrings. Um, and like, that's why I'm proud of myself. It's like, Alondra, everything is not that bad. So thank you for that, Denzel. Of course. And, and those are big. So uh, definitely giving you your flowers for those and um, shout out to those accomplishments. So what can we expect next from Alondra? What can we expect next from the Sisters Couch? What do you have in the works? 
So next for me for the Sisters College, I don't think I'm going to do another event until March. Um, and I think this one is going to be geared towards moms. Um, so let's talk about Black moms and mental health, because I feel like since becoming a mom, that is something we don't talk about. So that and then um, for me, I am just going to try to be more fluid in just my life and more flexible um, and for work. Um, because I am in a new position at work. It's just showing up authentically as myself. But the biggest thing with Sisters College is let's talk about Black moms and mental health because I feel like that is really another void that needs to be filled. Yeah, if you decide to do an in-person event for that, I'm sure it's going to go crazy, regardless of whatever the format is, because <laughs> I, I'm sure there's plenty of Black moms out there that are ready to tell their story and get, get it all off their chest, for sure. Thank you, Denzel. Uh, and before I let you go, I got to ask you this question um, that I ask all my guests. As a Black business owner, why do you feel it's important for us to support Black-owned businesses? Because it really is impacting like a direct family, a direct community. And I feel like that's kind of where we lost the mark when we kind of started to integrate with other people like our money needs to go back into our community like it is so necessary and vital for us to pour into one another um and because it's helping build legacies it's helping to build our legacies our family legacies our children's legacies um and i also think this is not the question you asked but we also need to be more graceful with black businesses like we really do need to be more graceful with one another um the good customers and the consumers i mean customers and the owners so yeah and I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I actually want to uh, do an episode one day. I don't know how I'm going to do the format, but about that dynamic, like that whole myth of black businesses not being professional. And then, um, you know, they got always got attitudes late, all that type of stuff. I definitely want to, you know, dig deeper into that topic. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'll listen thoroughly because it, it's such a stigma. And it's like, you need to find the right one. Um, I'm the type of person where, if I like you, I am loyal. I'm sticking with you. I'm putting your name everywhere. Like I am a customer for life. So yes, 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 yes. And for my time working in automotive and as a marketing professional, that is pretty much the mentality in black communities. Like we are the most loyal when it comes to like brand loyalty or product yes. loyalty and stuff like that. And like, that's most of our mentalities, exactly what you just said. So we have to figure out how do we mend these relationships or change the mindset of working with black businesses and then also operating small black businesses as well to make sure that, you know, we're all speaking the same language. Yeah. I think that is so needed. It, now that's a huge gap. That's, that's a great conversation. Yeah. I might, that might have to be a series. So we, yeah, we, that's a, mm. we'll see how that works out and <laughs> for the people who want to tap in with you. They want to learn more about Alondra, Sisters Couch, your earring business. What are your handles? How can people get in contact with you? Um, so the Sisters Couch, my website is www.thesisterscouch.com. Instagram, the sisters underscore couch. Facebook is just the Sisters Couch. For my earrings, it is 1226design co on Etsy. Um, in 1226 designs on Instagram. Perfect. Perfect. And uh, if anything I can say, uh, this was dope. 
I learned a lot. I got a lot from it. You, uh, I see bright things in your future. You are, uh, you got to do more of these, go out there and, you know, do some more interviews and, and write that book. Cause, uh, you, you are a wealth of knowledge, uh, is what I learned. So, uh, we gotta, we gotta get you out more in the forefront, but yeah, everything you got going on is dope. Like I said, when I went to that first event, I knew you had something and, uh, I was grateful to be there. Once again, that's the only man that was allowed in the room. Um, I, I was able to soak up a lot of, uh, game in that aspect. Uh, but yeah, what you're doing is amazing and uh, we need more of it. So shout out to you. Thank you, Giselle. What you're doing is great. Like highlighting black businesses is needed and it's in a different platform, a different spotlight. So thank you for that, Denzel. It is appreciated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And now one more thing to say. Mm-hmm. Go green. Okay. See, that, now I got to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> Now I got to kick it's going well and I got to kick you off the podcast, but no, this, this was dope. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in. Um, thank you to Alondra and I will see you next time on black Fridays, your weekly source of black business. Thanks.